You're listening to Behind the Scene at NTSB. My name is Leah Walton. And I'm Stephanie Shaw. Thank you for joining us as we talk with the people and learn more about the work being done here at NTSB. Welcome to episode 49 of Behind the Scene at NTSB. Today, Leah and I are really excited to have members of our Office of Aviation Safety joining us today for a conversation about the upcoming Oshkosh event. And we have joining us today, Tim LeBaron, who is the director of our Office of Aviation Safety, Christy Dunks, who is the acting deputy director of regional operations, also in the Office of Aviation Safety, and Aaron Sauer, a senior air safety investigator, also in the Office of Aviation Safety. Welcome, everybody. Well, thank you. We're glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we're very excited to have you on as well. It's been a it's been a little while since we've had an aviation based podcast. We've wanted to have a conversation about the annual EAA AirVenture Oshkosh event in Wisconsin for a couple of years now. So we're really excited to have this opportunity to chat with you all. As we do with all the podcasts, we give our guests the opportunity to introduce themselves and share some of their background and what brought them to the NTSB. So we're going to start out with that. And I am going to ask Tim to get us started. Well, thank you, Leah. Um, Actually, it was 19 years ago last month that uh, I started in Seattle as an intern. Wow. Oh, wow. Uh, So um, that's been a long time ago. I think I was 34 years old. So I was kind of an older intern. Um, I had a career before that, several careers, actually. Uh, Part of that was as an airport manager. Uh, Part of that was uh, as an aircraft mechanic working Mm -hmm. on part 91, 135 airplanes, and also um, teaching aircraft mechanics. So that was my background before I came and uh, always very, very interested in um, detective work, I would say, and, and, and looking at crashes and trying to figure out um, why did it happen? And so that's, um, that's kind of my background and, and that's why I got into it. And Tim, where did you go to school for all of those skills? So I started out at uh, Vincennes University in Indiana and mm-hmm. then went on to Purdue University and then my graduate degree from Embry-Riddle. Oh, okay. Great. And Christy, how about yourself? Sure. I came to the NTSB as an intern as well, almost 20 years ago. So that's pretty wild. (laughs) Back in uh, 2002. And then became an investigator in 2003. I started off in our Gardena, California office that we had at the time. Yes. And then later moved up to Seattle and then out to Montana. Okay. And you are one of our remote, uh, full-time telework remote workers, correct? Correct. And that is the same as Aaron as well, correct, Aaron? That's absolutely correct. I reside here in the great state of Wisconsin. <laughs> and what about your background, Aaron? Yeah, so I, uh, like Tim and Christy, um, Came from the intern training program that the board had set up back in those days. And I am year 22. So I do beat those two individuals just slightly. (laughs) But um, no, uh, it's been a great experience. I started in our Dallas, Texas office for about four years. Then I went to our Denver office for about four years in the last 13, 14. Excuse me. In the last 13, 14 years, now I've been in Appleton, Wisconsin area. 
So. Okay. That's awesome. And Stephanie also joined the NTSB as an intern. Yes, but I am proud to say, Aaron, I even have you beat. So I joined I NTSB. You. I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> yeah, as an intern in 1997, which is kind of crazy to even say that. But yes, I have you. <laughs> so Leah, you're like Go. you're the, the odd person out in this one. The, the interns interns are on this podcast. That's I'm not, great. Not a part of the club. Well, that's all right. Um, So today we are, like I said, talking about the Oshkosh event as well as general aviation. And before we get into the the conference discussion, I would like to ask you just what are some of the common factors that are impacting safety for the general aviation community and how does NTSB show up and, uh, and support aviation safety for general aviation? Sure. So With our general aviation accidents, over 40% of those fall into category loss of control. So 40% of our fatal accidents. And we've we've seen that number and it's a number, we continue to work with many industry groups to to try to get those numbers down. Um, This is followed by accidents involving unintended flight into instrument meteorological conditions, mm-hmm. controlled flight into terrain, and fuel-related events. When we're looking at non-fatal accidents, our top accident categories are abnormal runway contacts when you have a hard landing. So we all have to come and land right after we take off <laughs> and loss of control and then also fuel-related events. Looking at the investigations that you all have done, and, and like you said, knowing that uh, general aviation has been a, is a huge focus for the agency and a large part of the investigative work you all do, what are some resources that people can can look to um, just to find learn the lessons that you all have have shared um, from the investigations? Sure. The great thing about the NTSB's work is that you can access almost all of it on our website at ntsb.gov. And so you can read accident reports. You can look at all of the supporting documentation, the photographs, the reports that we put together for each investigation. You click on the link and you download the products. We also have all of our safety products that we issue, such as our safety recommendations, our safety alerts that focus on specific areas such as loss of control like i just mentioned the fuel related accidents as well as communication and then you can also find our annual summary of aviation statistics so if you're looking at overall for the industry for each year you can also access those right from our website and I know you also have some really great videos that you all have produced too. And so if anybody wants to check out some of those that they can go to the NTSB YouTube channel to find to find those. Absolutely. Uh, Tim, the Office of Aviation Safety investigates ever, every civil aviation accident um, that occurs. And I don't think at least when I first joined the NTSB, which as we've just learned is very recently compared to all of you all. <laughs> I was unaware of how frequently these accidents take place. Can you talk a little bit about why it is that the NTSB investigates every civil aviation accident and what that looks like for your office? Sure. So uh, we are mandated by Congress to investigate every civil aviation accident. And so that is different from our other modes of transportation, such as rail, a highway, marine, 
where they are mandated to investigate certain investigations. They don't sure. have to investigate every investigation. Mm-hmm. So in aviation safety, though, we must investigate every civil aviation accident. And um, accident has a definition, which I won't go into here, um, but it really ties into the, the, the amount of injury that a person sustains or sure. the damage that an aircraft sustains. So if it meets our definition, then by congressional mandate, we must investigate. Mm-hmm. And so what does that interpret to on average, if you can give an average every year, how many uh, accident investigations do you guys do? Sure. So um, the most recent data that we have is 2020. Mm-hmm. And so understand our investigations take a while. So we don't have mm-hmm. the 2021 data yet, but looking back to 20. 20, we had 1,139 investigations that we opened in aviation. Of that, 1,085 were general aviation accidents. And so that equated to 205 fatal accidents and 332 fatalities. Wow. So I know when, when people think of NTSB, they certainly often think, all we do is aviation. And we, we all know that we are a multimodal agency, but looking at how, how small of an agency we are, how much of our investigative staff um, is focused on, on aviation? So right now in the Office of Aviation Safety, um, we are allotted 132 uh, staff. And so that, that includes um, administrative staff, uh, support staff. That's as a whole. Um, so doing general aviation accidents, roughly, we have about 50 investigators mm-hmm. as a whole. Um, and then about seven or eight uh, managers, chiefs that manage those staff. And then also we have uh, subject matter experts. Um, sure. So we've got uh, a turbine engine specialist, we've got operations specialists. So we have different specialties as well. And uh, that equates to the other half. So an, another 50 of our major investigators and, and uh, subject matter experts. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then you said, so you have roughly, you said 50 some investigators, and then you have a thousand accidents that you investigate uh, a year on average. So the ratio yeah. that each person, the cases that each person is managing is uh, quite large. Yep, that's uh, very, very true. And I think uh, a lot of people don't understand that. They wanna know mm-hmm. why why do the investigations take so long? Well, part of it, when you when you do the math, our investigators uh, oftentimes are doing uh, roughly thirty investigations a piece per year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it 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 takes a while to get through all of those. Sure. And Aaron or Christy, from your perspective, as um, and even Tim too, as for being investigators, you know, we're used to seeing large teams of folks go out to some of the bigger crashes that NTSB does. But when it comes to general aviation safety, it's smaller teams of, of people. Can you talk a little bit about what, what the team going out to investigate a general aviation crash looks like? Thank you, Stephanie. So on a typical general aviation accident, you'll involve NTSB, which is usually one of us. Um, And then we can bring in uh, some of those disciplines that Tim described, operations, air traffic, meteorology. Um, If the investigation circumstances kind of involve that type of uh, further investigative work, more of a deep dive into into those areas. But then we're also supported usually by one or two FAA inspectors from a local flight standards district office. 
and then um, one manufacturer from an aircraft uh, manufacturer, one representative from an aircraft manufacturer, one representative from an engine manufacturer. And then we may, depending on the type of operation, we may have a flight school. We may have, a, sure. mm-hmm. you know, a, a fractional ownership company, something to that effect. But usually it's anywhere from about three folks to five or six at most for a majority of our, our accident investigations. Mm-hmm. So as we are coming up on the Oshkosh Conference, which will be taking place later this month, July 25th through the 31st, it is an annual event that takes place in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And for those in our uh, listening audience that may not be familiar with the event, can you tell us some more about it? What is the purpose of the event and you know who attends, stuff, stuff like that? So the event known as Air Venture, um, <laughs> some of the, you know, uh, generations past refer to it as Oshkosh. Oh. So there is a little bit of crossover, Air Venture and Oshkosh, <laughs> both synonymous with the world's greatest aviation celebration. Um, but the event actually began back in 1953 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, shortly after that, it did move to Rockford, Illinois. The event continued to grow and grow and Rockford could no longer support it. So the decision was made and ultimately Oshkosh, Wisconsin was was selected. And AirVenture and the EA community is really just a collection of EA members, um, aviation enthusiasts, manufacturers, exhibitors, government agencies like the NTSB. Um, on those grounds for that particular week, there's roughly 500,000 individuals oh, wow. that represent about 80 countries that descend to the small little regional airport of (laughs) Whitman Regional Airport in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. So it's it's a phenomenal event. It's overwhelming for this part of the state of Wisconsin, Um, Mm -hmm. but between the camping options, there's numerous hotels, people stay from Chicago all the way up to Green Bay to find hotel rooms. Um, One little interesting note about AirVenture, is the local Oshkosh community, folks will rent their house out for the week. Now, years ago, that was not as common as we see with Airbnb and what we know today, VRBOs, that was never never heard of. So um, small town community that brings in a host of a wide variety of countries and and people. And each day of the week at AirVenture, I mean, there's daily air shows uh, that perform, that have numerous aerobatic uh, performers. There's aviation feature films and speakers in the evening. There's workshops, there's forums, demonstrations, and other air aviation themed events. So that's why Air, air Venture is ultimately considered the world's greatest aviation celebration. And it's where everyone celebrates the past, present, and future of the world of flight. That's amazing. I knew it was a big event. I had no idea it was 500,000 people big. That's, that's amazing. It really so, is. It's for those people to come and descend on to Oshkosh, it's, uh, it's really remarkable for if, if folks have never been to this part of Wisconsin. And if I, I would say if nobody has ever really seen what an aviation type uh, event conference could look like, I was shocked when I saw pictures of how basically fields become parking lots for small planes. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about how many, so of those 500,000 people 
which I'm still trying to wrap my mind around. <laughs> how many of those people are getting to um, Oshkosh via airplane? Their airplane in particular. <laughs> well, Aaron, I have that number because I happened to look it up. Um, I think uh, before COVID hit, uh, there was 13,000 private owned airplanes flew in for the event. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. And, and on top of that, the campground uh, on average every year is 40,000 people camping in the campground just for that event. Wow. And I would like to add to Tim's figures there because what sometimes gets lost is the number of aircraft that also come into Appleton, Wisconsin Mm -hmm. as well as Fond du Lac and some of the smaller surrounding airports where folks want to avoid the congestion that, that sometimes Oshkosh can present. Uh, sure. Like Tim said, 13,000 arrivals, um, you know, for the first part of that week. Uh, and then we also, uh, I, Tim, your 40,000 figure on the campers, I don't know if that actually includes the folks that like to camp under the wing of their aircraft as it's parked out in the field. That may just yes. be confined to just the, the <laughs> campground area, let alone all the yeah. other people camping Wait, underneath underneath their <laughs> underneath their wing of their aircraft for the Yes, for I the wanna week. say I feel like maybe Sean Payne, who is a who's in our research and engineering office during his podcast interview, I think he talked about that, about the different kind of unique aspects to one flying your own plane in and then the ways that people can camp and, and use their aircraft once they get there. So I will add that uh, many of our NTSB staff um, take family vacation and go there just to camp out to the show. So, yes, we send folks, but there's also a lot that are there on vacation and camping out. And uh, the reality sure. is uh, that's the place to be. The place to be is camping because after the day is over and, and people uh, go back to their hotels, uh, then that's when the activities start. And uh, sure. there's nothing like being at a campground with with 40 plus thousand people that love airplanes and aviation like you. And so it doesn't matter who's camping next to you, you know they love aviation. And so lots of conversations. Sure. And so it doesn't end at five o'clock when they close <laughs> all, all of the doors. Um, you know, the, the day is, or the evening is just starting. And so every evening um, in the campground, they have uh, a huge uh, screen and they do out, outside movies. They've got uh, theater in the woods where they bring, uh, I remember one particular year, all the astronauts in and had them on stage. So, oh, wow. So it's just, you, you, if you eat, live, breathe airplanes, aviation as a whole, you've got to be there at least uh, for that one week out of the year. Sure. Tim, that's a great segue, I think, into you talking about the, you know, the presence that NTSB will have at, at the event. But that has been a longstanding um, thing that the agency has done. We're bringing our investigators to to that event. Can you talk a little bit about why that has been such a priority annually for for your office? Certainly. Well, um, historically, uh, it's been a big priority uh, for a lot of us, even before we joined the NTSB. Um, I think my first year was 1994. Um, that's 28 years ago. And I think I've been to almost every Oshkosh since, unless I was launched out of the country, I was on an investigation, there was some reason why I couldn't be there. Uh, I've been there. And uh, Aaron here, he puts me to shame. Now, 
he grew up <laughs> around there. So, so he has a little bit more of a reason, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, Aaron, your first year was what, 1980? Um, that is. <clears throat> so was yes. this family event, Aaron? It was. I grew up in aviation with my father and um, he worked for an aviation company just up the road in Appleton, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, we would attend every year. Your first, first Oshkosh, Tim, you're absolutely correct. 1980. So this will be year 41. Should be 42, but we lost a year with COVID. So sure. uh, 41 years for myself. I'm curious. I, do they have like badges that show how long you've attended or how many? Erin <laughs> is say, nodding. Yes, I, yeah, I, was, I was gonna say I'm sure there's some recognition that you get to wear for having been to that many, right? Well, there. It's interesting <laughs> you bring that up because <laughs> one thing that was your ticket to get into the grounds was this little placard or little card that you would paper clip to your mesh hat or your button on your shirt and it had the year of the event Uh and a few years ago they switched from that type of pass option i'm sure those were being passed through the fences on the grounds (laughs) is they switched to an actual wristband that goes around your wrist kind of non-transferable but some of that was lost (laughs) so i do have several dating back into the 1980 and earlier in uh earlier years even than that and those are Fairly collectible items. And I would say, Aaron, too, early on, you saw um, folks with an EA jacket and they were blue. Uh, These are the early, early uh, Oshkosh goers and they had patches and they would put every year they had attended on their jacket. And so if you see someone wearing a jacket like that now, it's usually an old timer, someone's been around (laughs) for a long time. And I do have every patch for every year I've been there since 1994. Now, I don't have the jacket, but at least that is the one thing I buy every year is my (laughs) patch. So I can prove I was there. Christy, we have to know, how many patches do you have? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing close to these two. (laughs) But I'm going to catch up. So Stephanie, I do want to bring you back to your question, though. Uh, so, so why do we go? So, so that's our personal history and, yes. and why we love to go. Um, but let's go back to the numbers again that I talked about. Sure. Uh, we we talked about investigating in 2020 1,139 accidents. Of that, 1,085 were GA accidents. Mm-hmm. So it comes back to where do we get the most bang for our buck? Sure. Aaron talked about over a half a million people for that one week of a year show up at Oshkosh. And so if we want exposure, if we want to get our safety message out, there is no place where we can get as much exposure to get our safety message out um, as Oshkosh. Mm -hmm. So second of all is, um, it gives us an opportunity. We have a booth there every year. It gives us an opportunity to get feedback, um, to listen, to answer questions. And so um, pilots that come to the booth can meet us, talk to us. If they have specific questions, we get questions often about how do we get a job with the NTSB. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so those are things that we give out, you know, in safety messages, exposure, but, but also we take stuff in. There is no place that we can go as staff to see as much new technology as mm-hmm. Oshkosh. And, and mm-hmm. we encourage our staff that are there. We don't want you just sitting in a booth all the time. 
Mm-hmm. We want you out looking and learning about the newest technology. And then I would say the last reason is, you know, in our, our profession, when we see airplanes, helicopters, usually they're not in the best of shape. Mm, sure. And so all of our all of our air safety investigators are pilots. We all have the passion about aviation. Well, when you're going out time after time after time after time and you just see a crumpled mess, you know, at some point you need to recharge your 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 solar cell. And that's one thing for us at Oshkosh. It gets us reinvigorated, recharged, re-excited again about aviation. Sure. And it's not only the staff that attends. We do have board members that attend almost every year, I believe. And what is the benefit of having the visibility of one of our board members or the chair uh, attending NTSB? And what does that kind of bring to it for us as well as for the audience? Um, number one, it gives that board member that general aviation exposure too. We love sure. to get them there um, mm-hmm. and seeing the airplane, seeing the aviation, it gets them excited. And it also gives them a better feel. And, and, and when we talk about general aviation uh, accidents, um, it gives them a whole lot better feel about general aviation and the things that are going on as well. Um, it also gives um, the public a chance to meet a board member, shake hands with a board member, ask questions of a board member. And those sessions are uh, very well attended. I've seen pictures in the past um, of the the presentations. They seem like standing room only. Is that is that typical for all of the NTSB presentations? I would say that that is very true. Um, Our presentations are always well attended. In fact, uh, your description of standing room only is spot on. Uh, I'm not sure what necessarily captures the audience, um, but usually a presentation will start and the seats will be full. But by the time 15 minutes, 20 minutes rolls around, um, Mm -hmm. there's there's no room to stand. And Mm -hmm. that is very true. And and this year, we're going to have over 20 presentations throughout the week from number of different investigative staff. Uh, member Graham, as Tim also mentioned, will be coming. And Member Graham is gonna be part of a five-person panel, which will include some other aviation industry professionals. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna be focused on professionalism within aviation, which in tune fits exactly with the NTSB theme for the year, which is fly like a pro. So, Looking at, um, and I think this is something that you've, you all have done for, I don't know if it's something you've always done, but at least I have become more familiar with it in recent years of, of you all identifying a theme and then presentations and, and different things that you offer at the exhibit and throughout the time um, really focuses on a particular issue or, or some safety things. So what, what led you to, to focus in on this idea of flying like a pro this year? Well, I think it's, You know, Stephanie, as you mentioned, every year we try to formulate our theme. And a lot of times it revolves around some common themes and trends we've seen in in the accident, uh, especially in the GA community, which is a a focus and a bulk of the audience that attends attends AirVenture. But professionalism is something that is not only for pilots, it's for aviation mechanics, it's for aviation enthusiasts, it's for aviation professionals in all the facets of aviation that you do. And being a Cessna 152 pilot, you can be as professional as a Boeing 777 pilot. 
in the way you pre-flight your aircraft, the way you plan for your flight, the way you conduct your flight, the way you communicate during your flight, the way you debrief yourself and maybe a fellow pilot after that flight. So our goal this year is to spread that message, spread that theme, fly like a professional. And I think that's going to come out in every single one of the presentations that this great NTSB staff is going to put forward to the AirVenture audience. That's great. Aaron, can you tell us a little bit about the um, the expertise or the the investigators that will be coming to um, to Oshkosh this year? So from uh, the staff that will be giving the, the outstanding presentations and who will also be the ones that the public in the audience will be able to speak with directly sure. in our exhibit booth throughout the course of the week. We've got a number of uh, our regional investigators from the senior side to the journeyman side. Um, we have a few meteorologists. We have a few air traffic control uh, investigators. We have one or two operations investigators. Research and engineering is uh, some folks from our recorders lab. Uh, we also have multiple folks from our safety recommendations and communications office that are going to be there also to share and spread our mission of what, what the NTSB is all about through different publications that will be distributed and, and, audience, and the visitors can come and pick up and working with our folks that are doing the presentations. We also have our administrative law judge. Uh, I think we have two judges coming this year. Oh, wow. And they work with our, uh, they actually work fairly close uh, every year with this event, surprisingly. A lot of people don't think about that, but EAA has a legal uh, counsel advisory panel. Mm. And the ALJ office actually supports a mock trial. Oh, so if you as an cool. aviator or sure. mechanic find yourself in a situation where you're going to have a uh, case that is uh, heard by an NTSB administrative law judge. You can go uh, to that forum or that presentation and, and see what that process is all about. So, uh, But it's just a wide spectrum, a very good representation of the staff that the NTSB in its entirety represents for the traveling public. That's great. And what uh, are there any particular uh, aviation investigations that are going to be highlighted at this year's conference? There'll be a number of, of various presentations. As I thought, I think the number's close to, to 20. Um, there's uh, some accidents that involve loss of control, which is uh, Christy and Tim had mentioned early on that that is one of the you know main main factors in the accidents we see in the general aviation community. The S-76 helicopter accident in Calabasas, California, there'll be a presentation on that. The B-17 accident up in uh, Connecticut is another presentation. There's going to be a couple presentations on maintenance um, related accidents, weather, weather, weather related accidents, um, a presentation or two on occupant restraint systems that we've been a long proponent for in the... Uh, uh, in the aviation, not as well as highway and rail. So we have uh, flight instructors, a uh, couple of presentations on flight instructor student activity. And then uh, we also have our medical office being represented this year, uh, and they'll be doing a presentation on some um, some accidents involving some, some 
medications folks probably shouldn't have been on at the time that they were operating sure. the aircraft. Mm -hmm. And one other presentation I want to highlight that uh, Dr. Lauren Groff will be giving it involves our new Carol search uh, tool. Mm -hmm. So folks often have, um, we've switched over to that Carol uh, system. And I know some folks have struggled trying to navigate through searching for our accident reports and information. And Dr. Groff will be presenting that on a couple of occasions uh, to the AirVenture visitors. So hopefully we can uh, have some good progress and folks understanding Carol a little bit more than they, they know today. Sure. sure. So speaking about the, um, the investigations, uh, one thing that I was shocked to learn, but then after I processed it, it made a lot of sense, um, is that we, we have investigators that are basically on call and ready at AirVenture in the event of a incident or a crash. Um, can you talk about uh, how many or how often that occurs at these types of events and, um, you know, what that type of experience is like? Because I've, again, when I learned about it, I was like, what? We do? But yes, obviously we do. And, and it makes so much sense. Yeah, it's an important point, Leah, that we have our kind of outreach team that goes that consists of investigators. But course, they're focused on outreach and, and connecting with the community. So we also have our investigative group that is mm -hmm. solely there, boots on the ground, ready to get to an accident should one occur at AirVenture. And this allows us to respond immediately. If the accident occurs on the runway, we want to assist everyone there completing our on-scene, getting that runway reopened for the thousands of aircraft operating in and out of there. So whenever we have a major flying event, you know, mm -hmm. accidents can occur, right? When you have that many aircraft coming in and out, but you're also looking at aircraft traveling to and from the event too, when we're sure. looking at the accidents surrounding these events. And considering though the, the thousands of operations, the number is, is pretty small, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. of, of overall accidents. And we do, uh, several years ago, we did issue a safety alert on this topic to help uh, support pilots in, in flying into these, especially these larger type flying events mm -hmm. like AirVenture, where they might encounter different safety issues. So our safety alert talks about different situations they might encounter and then provides them with resources they can refer to to assist them. And so on average, you said it's very slim. Do, is there typically one or two a year? Is it more than that? Is it some years we've, we've had none? What would you say, Erin, on the average? It, it varies and it varies the number coming to and from because the weather sure. <laughs> can, can factor in. Erin, uh, what would, what would you I would say? say on on the grounds itself at, at Oshkosh Airport, we usually will average one or two um, accidents. And that can be our fender bender and uh, all the way up to the unfortunate fatality related. But most of the time, it's a, uh, somebody a little nervous arriving in there and, and losing it on, on landing and, and just uh, kind of bending up the airplane a little bit, uh, usually resulting in no, no injuries, but, but a small accident that we our staff, as, as we've talked about on the grounds, will will handle rather quickly. Sure. sure. Since we're talking about that, for, for anyone that might be 
venturing to to this event for the first time who's flying themselves or others in with them do you have any any words of wisdom <laughs> as they're thinking <laughs> as they're thinking about that or things that you you hope hope that they kind of focus on more or think about I can start. So I, th <laughs> I think the, the best place to start is looking at all of the, the resources available that I know EAA develops information working with the FAA for, for pilots on, on showing them how to get in and out of the airports uh, in the area. The FAA just put out information on major flying events that talked about different safety issues related to that, our safety alert that I just mentioned. So there are all these resources that pilots can review and, and study on the ground before they're in the situation and, and in this busy environment with, with many aircraft operating around them. And I would add to that, uh, Christy, thanks for that. I have flown into Oshkosh and it is a busy, busy, busy time. And so one of the rules I've set for myself when I fly into such events is have a talk before I even leave the ground that with my passengers, your job is to look for airplanes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to focus on flying mm -hmm. because I think so often pilots get so distracted. They're looking for other airplanes. They're trying to do multitasking. They forget to fly. Mm. And so I've always had that little talk that, whether you think I've seen the airplane or not, please point it out. Make sure that I see it. But I'm going to focus. I'm going to focus on flying the airplane. Your job is to look for airplanes. And I don't care if it's one more person in the airplane, two people, three people. Make sure, even if it's kids, make sure everybody knows. Your job when we go in there is two things. One is be quiet. I don't need to be distracted by you, you know, talking about what we're going to do for dinner or where we're going to camp. <laughs> Let's keep our conversation to a minimum. But second of all, I want you to be looking for airplanes. That's your job. We all need this to get in there safely. And I do think it's a very important talk to have with people and those that are riding with you before you go into a, such a busy event. Sure. Aaron, do you have anything you want to add? I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> uh, other than, no, I will. I guess I will say in sticking with today, uh, our theme for the NTSB for this year's Air Venture mm -hmm. event is fly like a professional. Fly like a professional, and you will have the time of your life arriving and departing very safely on those Air Venture grounds and that Air Venture um, celebration. Sure. In the line of fly like a professional, I have seen on YouTube. Um, pilots, GA pilots that like to film themselves while they are flying and, you know, show kind of what they see and what they're doing and everything. Would you consider that flying like a professional? Is that something that could line up with distraction or is it a passive situation where you hit record and whatever you collect on your, um, on your phone or your, your GoPro is what you get? I think it depends. Um, it definitely can become a distraction. If, if that person is on final approach and they're trying to take pictures and trying to take video and they're not paying attention to what they're doing, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. um, mounting a camera out on a wing, oftentimes you, you totally forget it's even there. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there are safe ways to do that kind of things. Uh, but if you're focused on the camera and not focused on what you're doing, then 
it definitely is a problem. Sure. Because it is. I mean, for a person who does not fly a plane, it is fascinating to see that point of view. Um, You know, I sit as a passenger in a commercial aircraft, you know, regularly. But when it comes to a small plane, I don't get that perspective. And so it is fascinating. But I always think like as long as, you know, I want to make sure that the pilot is being safe and that everybody, you know, is doing what they're supposed to do. But thank you for that perspective. So I have a question about Obviously, we want everyone to to make sure to check in on all the NTSB offerings at the event. But for you all, is there a must see thing that you always make sure that you take the time to check out while you are at the event? I personally always go to the vintage aircraft hangar and mm. watch and try to get a chance to sew fabric onto the wings of of airplanes. So. I actually will be presenting from the vintage hangar oh, cool. <laughs> this Tuesday. Okay. So it's very nice to give my presentation and then go over and do some fabric. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, the air show in the afternoon is always exciting. Sure. So I think the night air show is definitely a must-see. Um, if you've never seen airplanes do aerobatics with, with lights and fireworks and everything else coming off the wings, Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fantastic. And then it always has ended with the best fireworks show than I think I've ever seen. And so that's always a big one. They do it twice, usually Wednesday night and maybe Friday night. They do it twice a week. Um, but for me, Oshkosh is so big that you can very easily get overwhelmed. And so what I try to do is break it up where I do one event per day. So mm-hmm. I will go see the Warbirds that is my goal for the day. I don't care what else I end up seeing, but as long as I get to the Warbirds that day, that's what I, I do. The vintage section that, that Chrissy talked about, that is a day. I like, I don't care if I do anything else as long as I get to the vintage section. Mm-hmm. The seaplane base is phenomenal. Um, generally, every year, that's the last thing I do since it's not on the airport property, it's out on the lake that the last thing I do, you know, it's withdrawal. You're leaving Oshkosh. You've waited all <laughs> week, all year to be here. And now I got to leave and I'm, I'm packing up my camping gear and you got tears rolling down your face. <laughs> and what I always do is I'm like, okay, I'm not done yet because once I get the car truck loaded, I'm leaving, but I'm going to go to the seaplane base. Mm-hmm. And so that's always my annual tradition. As I leave, I go to the seaplane base, uh, which is, is really neat. They've got lots and lots of airplanes on on pontoons and floats, and and it's uh, cool because the breeze is coming across the lake. So that's my last big thing I do every year is uh, go to the seaplane base. But sometimes you go during the week too because I've I've seen you do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. They have really, really, really good uh, corn on the cob there. You know, so if you're hankering for corn on the cob and you're hot. Then, yes, I do. I do go sometimes more than once. (laughs) How about you, Aaron? (laughs) For myself, um, I have very similar days laid out that that Tim kind of indicated. The vastness of the grounds, the just overstimulation of everything. You really need to kind of break it up. Um, like Tim said, warbirds for one day. You know, it's in members of this agency that are going to be the 
air venture first timers. Mm-hmm. Um, you try to kind of get them prepared for what they're what they volunteered to to go sure. represent the agency. You really they, you can't describe it to them, and uh, the vastness in the just the amount of awesome aviation from the vintage to the warbirds to the ultralights to the home builds to to the new technologies that all these manufacturers are putting together. But I guess my one must see, and it hasn't been around for many years, but I agree with Tim, it's the night air show. Mm. And my wife will come down for that. My two kids, if they're not busy doing something else, uh, they will come down and we will, uh, I have found a new spot, Tim, Christy, to <laughs> on where to watch that event. And it is on the other side of the grounds for me personally. <laughs> and um, it's just an awesome, awesome event. And as Tim described, the fireworks show at the end of the night air show is uh, the best. Some of the it is the best I've ever seen. Wow, that's great. For, for anyone that would like more information on just the NTSB presence at, at the event, um, we have set up a really great, you all have worked really um, to set up a great web page that everybody can access at ntsb.gov. Um, and so all of the resources that we've talked about, including the updated fly-in safety alert, um, and then the schedule of where our investigators and board members will be at what time is all publicly available for, for everyone. So encourage, encourage people to check that out um, so they can stop in and, and see the three of you, right? All, all three of you will be, will be there. We will, we will indeed. Well, we're getting to the end of our podcast. And so before we wrap up, I wanna offer our guests an opportunity to share any closing thoughts before you fly off to or drive to uh, EAA Air Venture. And I'm going to start with you, Aaron. Well, thank you, Leah and Stephanie, for the opportunity to share some thoughts on uh, the experiences I personally have had um, at Air Venture, as well as representing the, the NTSB at the event. Uh, just look forward to each and every year to the new group of NTSB staff and what we're doing for the year and how the planning is all put together. I do want to give um, some credit to the NTSB planning team that puts this on each and every year. Mm -hmm. Uh, That group involves Mike Folkerts, who's a regional aviation accident investigator, Peter Wentz, regional aviation accident investigator, Darren Broadwater, who's one of our transportation safety analysts, and then Amy Tyrone in your own Office of Safety uh, Mm -hmm. Recommendations and Communications. Without them, this event doesn't happen to the level that it's grown and will hopefully continue to grow each and every year. So a lot of uh, a lot of thanks and uh, hard work that those folks have put into this effort. So appreciate working with them each and every year. Great. Thanks. And if I can just add to that, uh, mm-hmm. our own Aaron Sauer, uh, I think uh, Aaron here. Uh, Aaron, how many years have you been involved in uh, setting up the booth, uh, you know, getting ready for Oshkosh? This will be year 17, Tim. Um, Would be 18 without the, again, the dreaded dreaded COVID missing. Mm -hmm. For for many years, uh, Aaron pretty much single-handedly did a lot of the work. And so, Aaron, thank you uh, for all the many, many years and uh, hours you've put into it as well. Thanks. And Christy? 
Sure. Thanks, Leah and Stephanie, for hosting us today. And I encourage anyone going to AirVenture to please find us at the booth, find us at our presentations, find us at the campground, wherever you can find us. It's just AirVenture is just a great opportunity for everyone with a passion for aviation to, to get together and talk aviation. So I look forward to seeing everyone. Thanks, Christy. And Tim, final thoughts from you. Yes, thank you. Um, so I echo what the others have said. Please come look us up, find us in the booth, uh, find us in the campground. There's There'll be a big group of NTSB folks in the campground. Uh, come talk airplanes. And I think that a lot of times people don't realize that we're all aviators too. Um, Christy is a Super Cub owner and pilot. Um, I have a couple airplanes, including an experimental aircraft as well. So uh, even if you don't want to talk about NTSB, come uh, find us. Um, I'll be in the booth a bunch of the time and, and come, let's talk airplanes. Thank you all. Stephanie, do you have any final thoughts before we close out? I do. Tim, Christy, and Aaron, thanks so much for your time. Leah and I have been looking forward to, to talking with you all and, and really glad to be able to um, bring all that you all are going to be doing and the work that you've put in into, into making sure that you have a presence um, at the event. Glad to talk to you about it on the podcast um, and hope that everyone uh, takes the time to come in. Like you said, Tim, meet meet the investigators, the board members and, and folks that are there, even if they don't want to talk about investigation side, but at least get to know you all as a, as fellow aviators. Thanks, Stephanie. And I also would like to thank three of you for joining us today. It's been a great conversation and very informational, very entertaining. Um, and I, I look forward to maybe one day I'll get to attend Oshkosh Air Venture. That would be fantastic. Thank you again to Stephanie, my co-host, and thank you to James Anderson for being an amazing producer of our podcast. And we hope you all will join us for our next episode, which will be our 50th episode of the podcast, which we are very excited to uh, meet that milestone. So enjoy AirVenture, all three of you, to our audience who is attending AirVenture. Enjoy yourselves, be safe, and we will talk to you at the next episode. Thank you for joining us on Behind the Scene at NTSB. Subscribe to and like us on your favorite podcast platform. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And don't forget, you can always find us at ntsb.gov. Thank you and bye.